0: Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Dave McKechnie. At the end of 2016, the 52-year war between the Colombian state and the FAR guerrilla group came to an end when the two sides agreed a peace deal. During the conflict, almost a quarter of a million people were killed and about 7 million displaced across the country. Nonetheless, the agreement has proven deeply divisive. The country suffered a political earthquake when the deal was rejected in a referendum, and although a revised agreement was passed soon afterwards, the country remains deeply split on whether the price of peace was worth paying. Colombia is now facing into a few crucial months. The peace deal appears to be creaking as the country winds up for congressional and presidential elections that could have a huge bearing on the direction of the process. Later, I'm joined in studio by the hugely experienced Colombian minister for post-conflict, Rafael Pardo, who discusses some of the biggest challenges in keeping the peace deal on the road. But first, our South America correspondent Tom Hennigan is on the line to talk about the key issues. Hi, Tom. Morning, Dave. Tom, I think it's fair to say that after the quiet euphoria of the peace deal with the FARC, the hard part, which is the implementation of the deal, is going through a very rocky period, can you talk through some of those issues at present?
1: Well, it is, and there's been a number of delays in implementing a lot of the provisions. Um, I think the great example of that would be the justice system that the peace deal envisaged, where participants in the conflict would go before special courts and discuss um, some of the atrocities that happened during the war, and um, perpetrators would be even sentenced to quite lenient but still receive so-called alternative punishments. That whole process got delayed, in the constitutional court, which made changes um, to some of the provisions. And it's only really beginning to get going now, um, well over a year after the peace deal was signed. Uh, We had a Colombian human rights group yesterday, actually, in front of the the European Parliament um, giving its report that it had drawn up with the help of several uh, MEPs. And it was claiming that only 12 of the 34 key measures in the peace deal have so far been implemented, Um, only 5% uh, in rural projects that were supposed to be implemented in conflict zones, which were meant to try and revive these areas and to bring a peace dividend to the people who are most affected by the conflict. Only 5% of of those measures have actually started. And even last year, at the end of last year, we saw tens of thousands of Colombians taken to the streets in uh, small rural towns and villages, protesting the fact that what they were promised from the peace deal hadn't happened um, in their neighbourhoods at all. They were seeing none of this peace dividend. So I think it is fair to say that implementation has been slow. There have been legal roadblocks and political roadblocks so there have been a certain deception that uh the peace dividend hasn't started percolating down to people on the ground
0: it strikes me that in this process uh, there are competing forces at play i suppose the need to get uh quick results to, to show it's working and, and yet some some of the time some of this key work that you you mentioned there uh, can only really be effective over over a long period um, like rural r- reform projects, or maybe cocoa crop substitution, um, with with some of those easy wins out of the way, like maybe collecting weapons and and, and those types of things. Um, the other issues is that they are huge, aren't they? An endemic, and, and and I suppose that's part of the problem.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the conflict with the FARC, even though um, it lasted for over half a century, was really a continuation of much older conflicts, um, mainly centred around land uh, in Colombia that go back to uh, the 19th century uh, as far as that. Um, And so to say that the FARC itself was responsible for these problems, or the war with the FARC was responsible for these problems, um, ignores the fact that that these are are much deeper uh, issues that Colombia has to face. And exactly, they're not going to be resolved quickly. There needs to be time. The problem is is that um, I think there's two issues. One, that the peace deal uh, was... um, had a a difficult birth, if we should say. You mentioned in your introduction that the referendum on this was rejected. Uh, The two sides got together, renegotiated it, but didn't put it to a second referendum. So there's always been a certain um, feeling that this was an imposed piece rather than something, let's say, like in Ireland, where we had referendums north and south of the border that binded people into the process. Um, And then the other is that these issues need money. Uh, The Colombian economy has had certain problems in recent years like the rest of South America. So there isn't a huge amount of cash available. And then thirdly, you have very entrenched, powerful conservative forces that are totally against this deal. Uh, We have seen a major uptick since the peace agreement was signed of um, targeted assassinations of social activists in rural areas uh, up to, I think, 80 so far this year alone have reportedly been killed, according to human rights groups. And you can see then that the FARC, which has now transformed itself into a political party, it has suspended campaigning for the elections as of last week because it says that up to 50 people associated with it have been assassinated uh, in the last couple of months. So there definitely is a major, powerful, entrenched force in Colombia that is against wanting to implement uh, the changes that the peace uh, agreement envisages.
0: Uh, Even on on a grassroots level, uh, certainly... um you know, even aside from the political sort of uh, parties, uh, it it does seem to really polarise people. I mean, do people do seem to think that FARC are getting away with this under under the special justice mechanism, and and, and hard to be persuaded otherwise.
1: Absolutely, and that was, I think, one of the the key reasons why the peace uh, deal failed to pass that referendum, and um, the FARC. Uh, was widely loathed in Colombia because of its involvement in kidnappings particularly and its connection to the drug trade which was a major um, cause of violence in Colombia Um, and many people felt that the FARC was being allowed to transform itself into a political party and its leaders would not have to answer for the crimes that they committed during the struggle. Um, and I think there is an element of truth in that. The, uh, the new uh, justice system that has been set up to look at atrocities committed during the conflict, it has very uh, limited sentencing power. So we could be in a situation where... FARC commanders um, could admit certain atrocities, massacres during the conflict, and might get nothing more than community service or house arrest. And many Colombians are furious at that. But at the same time, um, the government was never going to be able to beat the FARC. And it implicitly acknowledged that a lot of these leaders, uh, FARC leaders, would have to be given uh, quite um, lenient sentences if they were ever convicted by these special courts. And it was the same thing as the paramilitaries uh, a decade ago when they were demobilized. An awful lot of those groups committed terrible atrocities as well. And not many of them were held accountable for those, even though they were allowed to go into, um, back into civilian life.
0: Now, as you say, uh, the, the, the new political party are up for election in, in these um these congressional and presidential elections, the polls suggest um, there's very little support for them.
1: That is correct. Uh, now, polls in Colombia tend to be um, quite unreliable, particularly this far out from the actual voting uh, for the presidential election. So we have to wait and see. But uh, they're all, all um, surveys show that they're only at around one or two percent. Um, so it is thought that you know that they're not going to end up. Uh, coming anywhere near the presidency or even the second round, and that they will have a very, very limited ch- chance of, of winning actual seats in in the lower house of Congress and in the Senate. Now, the peace deal does envisage that they get five seats guaranteed in either house, up until, and those seats are guaranteed up until 2026. So there will be a FARC presence in the Congress after March's elections, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll actually win any seats.
0: Now the other armed group uh, that's in the news at the moment, the National Liberation Army, or the ELN, which is a smaller guerrilla group, um, those peace talks have ended unsuccessfully um, in Quito uh, after the, they resumed uh, their violent campaign. You, you would not think that the, uh, the FARC experience so far, um, with the assassinations and, and dissidency, and, and also claims the government hasn't lived up to its promises, uh, that that wouldn't seem to be much of an incentive for the ELN to follow suit no.
1: And the other problem with the peace ar- agreement is with the FARC is that that has actually strengthened the ELN in, in certain ways. One is that they have seen an influx of former FARC fighters who did not want to hand in their arms and they seem to have migrated uh, either formally or informally to working with the ELN. And as the FARC has demobilized and and that process uh, has to be acknowledged as being successful, a number, uh, a large number of arms and fighters have been taken out of the conflict in uh, in Colombia. But at the same time, that has left a certain vacuum in certain areas and the ALN has tried to move in to fill that vacuum. Um, But there's a a much deeper structural problem in in dealing with the ELN. The FARC was always a very well-organised, centralised guerrilla movement. And the government always knew that negotiating with the central leadership of the FARC would, on the whole, deliver a peace agreement with not necessarily all, but most of the actual guerrillas on the ground. That is not the case with the ELN. The ELN is a much more decentralised group. Its fronts, uh, its various armed fronts around the country, have much more autonomy, and even negotiation with the central command of the ELN was always seen as not necessarily being able to deliver uh, much of the, org- of the rest of the organisation. So that's always been a complication in dealing with this other guerrilla movement
0: obviously it's it's a massive task for the government to, to occupy those regions where FARC have left uh, and and the eln and, and other armed groups uh, have taken over and expanded but uh, nonetheless it does seem to have failed so far I think it's fair to say um, at least at least as far as the expect- expectations of those communities are, are concerned.
1: there is a sense that the peace agreement is in a critical moment. Um, Some people talk about it unravelling, others say these are are still very difficult birth pangs. And I think in Ireland, when we look at the amount of ground um, that had to be um, traversed between the actual signing of the Good Friday Agreement to a sense that it was going to take hold. Um, And and that was in a situation where you had referendum buy-ins on both sides of the border, um, a much uh, richer uh, region, much greater ability to bankroll a peace process from the outside, and just territorially, uh, a much uh, smaller um, region. One of the problems with Colombia is it is one of the most beautiful parts of South America, but it you know goes across a whole range of of topographies. it is it is a vast country. Uh, it is still a lot of it is uh, limited infrastructure, difficult to penetrate. And the state which has a a certain um financial uh, limits on its abilities, finds it difficult sometimes to just bankroll the commitments that is made. Uh, in the peace agreement. And that, I think, is understandable. How they overcome that is, is another issue entirely.
0: Finally, Tom, uh, of course, there's, there's a danger that, that some of the deal could be unpicked um, if a candidate who opposes it wins the presidency in May. Um, how How is the polling looking so far?
1: Well, as I was saying earlier, polling this far out, even though the the first round of the presidential election is in May, Polling this far out uh, is still, you know, needs to be uh, taken with a pinch of salt for a very simple reason: that the main political parties will wait. Um, until the results of the of the congressional elections in March, before deciding on their candidates and their alliances. Um, but that said, the main uh, leader in the polls at the moment, the former mayor of Bogota, the capital, Gustavo Petro, who was a very popular mayor, though kind of polarizing. He is from the left. He is a former guerrilla um, himself from a, a, a guerrilla movement that demobilized in the, in the 1980s, I think. Um, he is really surprising at the moment with around a quarter of, of the poll backing him. And he is someone who definitely would be seen as who could advance uh, the peace process, uh, try and support it nurture it along. Um, the problem, the risk is, is that if... the the right in Colombia, which has already been accused of uh, fomenting trouble on the streets, uh, particularly around FARC uh, rallies that forced the suspension uh, for a glut of fake news, that if it is able to consolidate around one candidate and push him forward, particularly uh, possibly a a certain senator, Ivan Duque, that that could lead to uh, the renegotiation or the redesigning of the peace deal. And what would happen there is is that it would be easy for a president to say we're going to redo the peace deal, we're going to you know re- re- rewrite it. Whether the FARC would accept it would be another issue. Um, so there is a certain threat that uh, conservative forces in Colombia that have always been against the peace arrangement could win the election, the presidential election, and that could pose another threat to the to the further development of the peace
0: process. We wait and see. Tom Hennigan and Sao Paulo, thank you for joining us. Few people know more about Colombia's peace process than my next guest, a veteran politician, academic, and economist from Bogota. As a former presidential advisor at the end of the 1980s, Rafael Pardo led the peace process that resulted in the demobilization of the M19 guerrilla group. He was the country's first civilian minister of defense at a time when Pablo Escobar was around, and he's also been in cabinet as minister for labor. He has served four years as a senator stood for election as mayor of Bogotá and he is, in addition, a former university professor and the author of several books on conflict. Now at a crucial moment in the country's peace process, Rafael Pardo is post-conflict minister.
2: What we are doing at the post-conflict office is uh, first at, first of all to prepare and to plan the implementation of, of the peace process. And now we are... Uh, following and monitoring the different programs and plans related to to the implementation of the peace of the peace agreement which is very complex uh, for example we have a, a a master plan that includes more than 500 different indicators to see all the different uh, issues that are linked to the implementation of the peace plan, so this is the the role we have.
0: I mean, the country is obviously fairly polarized about the the peace deal, as the referendum showed. It was a very tight vote, of course, and, and ultimately defeated last Friday. I see that the FARC temporarily suspended its uh, campaigning in, in for the presidential and legislative elections uh, due to security concerns over after protests. That that wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement of. of where the, the process is now.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a, a paradox because in uh, international field, the support to the Colombian peace agreement is almost unanimous. At the European Union, all the members of the Security Council of the UN, but internally, peace process was part of the role of the opposition government uh, activities so opposition uh, declare from the beginning that they do not want the way that peace process is handled. so uh, peace is part of the of the debate between opposition and government so this this uh, this create a, a high polarization and we are uh, very close to congressional election next month and to presidential election uh, next May. So uh, before elections, those issues arise and the polarization is is very high.
0: I know there have been some delays in setting up the uh, the justice mechanism, the special justice mechanism that was agreed in the in the peace process. Um, and And I understand that doesn't start until after the elections or won't won't get underway until after the elections. Uh, people I spoke to last year on uh, a reporting trip over, over in, in Colombia believed that, that that part of the process was going to be very important for for confidence building, for you know, seeing that some justice would be done. Uh, has that harmed the process in a way, the fact that it, the, the delays, uh, the inevitable delays, I suppose, in it?
2: Yeah, the delays are, are uh, due to the very prolonged debate at the Congress last year. This is a unique le- legislation, in fact, in, in in all the, the the peace process, there there are two situations. Of one situation is to get amnesty or judiciary pardon for those who who committed serious crimes. The other uh, scenario is that an international uh, tribunal acted uh, in in relation with the crimes. For example, the former Yugoslavia tribunal or, uh, I mean, United Nations created some special tribunals. In the case of the the Colombian peace process, we had a unique uh, development, which is FARC and government, both parties, agreed to go into a a special transitional justice system that is going to, to, to deal with the the worst crimes uh, uh, war crimes not only related with the crimes committed by guerrilla but with the crimes committed by by governmental agents or by civilians the possibility of entering into politics uh, for persons uh, accused of committed uh, serious crimes, was part of the debate in the last four years. I mean, the position of the government is that a peace process is to go from uh, violent activities to political life. And some people consider, uh, the opposition, consider that this uh, won't be acceptable without uh, being uh, processed and uh, judged by a tribunal.
0: I want to talk uh, a little about security in the regions where FARC ha- have left. On, on my trip there last year to some some of those remote regions, uh, people felt very vulnerable. And, you know, they said that new armed groups had moved in uh, to, to replace the guerrillas. And I know there have been fresh displacements of people um, in the last 12 months. Now, obviously, I know that this is, a, a, I suppose, a priority for the government in in that you have sent thousands of troops to to these regions. But obviously isn't enough so far. What can you do to, to fill those gaps?
2: The main problem in those regions is the presence of illegal crops, I mean of coca crops. Colombia is the, the largest uh, exporter of cocaine uh, since the 80s. I mean, year by year since the 80s. And is the larger producer of coca, uh, coca crops or coca leaves since the 90s so it's it's not uh, related to the peace process it's a a situation in which uh, which, uh, in the the world of cocaine Colombia is the the largest exporter of cocaine and US is the largest consumer of cocaine so we have uh, an enormous program in order to reduce the, the, the extent of the coca crops. One of the of the policies is a voluntary substitution for replacing coca crops by other uh, agricultural products, legal products. This this program is uh, reducing the area of coca cultivation and this uh, uh, is uh, uh, of course a threat against people who want illegal rent from coca crops. So this is one of the of the of the reasons of the violence in those in those regions. Uh, drug traffickers and other illegal groups try to, to avoid that uh, peasants enter into the substitution program and try to make obstacles to the substitution program uh, threatening people or threatening officers or producing violence. And this is a part of the problem we are having. But in, in general terms, uh, the number of uh, killings in Colombia have been reduced uh, substantially since the peace agreement. I mean, Colombia ha- have seen a, a reduction in, in homicides, from uh, 2015 till now, substantially, in almost all the 1,100 municipalities except in 27 municipalities where uh, killings have increased. In,
0: in some of those areas that you mentioned that, that were, where it hasn't, um, certainly one of the areas in Choco, uh, one, of the, one of the people I interviewed uh, there last year, um, his name is Hernán Bedoya, um, He was a land claim leader, 48 years old, and he was quite a gentle, gentle gentleman. I took a photo of him. He was wearing a Manchester United jersey uh, the day I met him. Uh, But in December, I heard that he'd been uh, murdered, uh, shot. He was shot uh, 14 times on his way home one day. So I suppose when I was there, it, it was shocking to me because... These people are very, you know, very ordinary people, um, very um, poor people. They feel like they're forgotten uh, in Bogota. And I suppose what I wonder is, certainly in the short term or the medium term, what, what does the peace deal hold, hold for them? And, and how, can, how can the government improve their lives?
2: Yeah, the uh, president himself every week have a a, a, a meeting uh, that deal with the issue of, uh, of uh, security guarantees and reduction of violence in the areas, the most affected areas in the past by the, by the conflict. And uh, to those uh, meetings, is part of the, peace, the implementation of the peace agreement. Uh, uh, the most important uh, human rights uh, organizations attended to, to those meetings. So we have a... Uh, a, a very uh, tight uh, attention to the issue of uh, protection of, of, of uh, leaders, protection of former members of FARC, protection of communities in the, the the most affected areas in the past by violence. Some of these areas uh, I have mentioned before. Uh, are uh, regions where coca is cultivated so there are some tensions there and uh, but the government is uh, conscious that this is one of the issues that should be solved in order to have a, a sustainable peace agreement
0: some i spoke to, i spoke to some people this week um in colombia who who work with human rights defenders um and um they, I asked them if they would have a question that that, that would be um, suitable for you, um, and they pointed they pointed to um, some comments by the defence minister um, Luis Carlos Villegas, I think, in December when he he suggested that the killings of human rights leaders a lot a lot of them were crimes of passion and not systematic, and and I suppose their question was how did, how could they ex- be expected to have confidence in a government that thinks that, I mean, is that what do you say to that or or do you think that these human rights leaders are are being targeted?
2: No, I mean, there is no unique uh, motivation in the killings. Uh, But, of course, if uh, communal leaders or civic leaders are being killed, some of them, uh, or former members of of FARC has been killed, of course there is a, a... a sort of a motivation, not not unique, not an, a unique source. Uh, one of, of the most uh, relevant source is uh, the relationship with the reduction of coca crops. But of course, uh, there, are, uh, I mean, a pattern in terms of uh, of uh, local power or. Uh, or uh, local struggles related with the situation of of drug of I mean uh, reduction of coca or maintaining of coca. This, uh, this struggle, but uh, of course uh, we don't see a unique source. But of course there is a, a pattern in the in the way of the of, of this of this violence
0: with the FARC. Emma, The r- reports of between, I don't know, 1,000 and 2,000 dissidents or, or thereabouts, um, some of which are reported to have joined the ELN. I know the FARC, FARC leader, Timochenko said that um, in his presidential campaign speeches that the persecution is continuing. Do you, th- do you think the government has done enough to discourage this, this distancy? I mean, has it moved quickly enough?
2: In, in relation with the FARC, is the government is doing, uh, I mean, all, all the, the best the government could do. Uh, The the problem is that the other other group, apart from FARC, the ELN, is uh, still uh, raising weapons and is increasing the the violent activities. Uh, Some of the killings of former FARC members, some, are uh, produced by, by ELN. So ELN is against the the implementation of some parts of the peace agreement and confront with FARC uh, violently uh, in some regions, particularly in in the south of of the country. So uh, this is a a situation. Peace is not a magical uh, (laughs) touch that with the signature of the peace agreement, all the problems are solved, but we are in the construction of this day by day. Well,
0: I, I know, um, I suppose the ELN will only want to take part in a process in the end, if properly take part in one, if, if they see it has worked for the FARC.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, ELN is much smaller group. It's more uh, protected by, by Venezuelan uh, presence. I mean, most of the leadership of, all the leadership of ELN are located in Venezuela.
0: Just looking back at the um, de- demobilization of the paramilitaries in 2005, I think it was, um, which was widely considered to have failed in the end um, with with many of them the sort of forming new new armed groups or criminal groups, what went wrong with that process and, and what lessons were learned
2: from it? Uh, many lessons. Uh, one is the, the judiciary system... Uh, Created for this uh, process, it uh, was not enough robust to deal with the, with the number of persons who enter into this process. The justicia y pase, uh, which is the the name of the of the system, was not enough in terms of, of capacity, in in terms of manpower, in terms of uh, <coughs> of resources, to deal with the number of of, of uh, of the crimes and the number of persons who enter in, into the process, this is one of the of the of the lessons.
0: You obviously um, there are obviously continuing challenges, but a man of a man of your experience must must look at the big picture uh, on what has happened in Colombia in the, in the last thirty years and and think.
2: I'm here in at uh, Ireland, and I mean next uh, month we will have the the 20 years uh, commemoration of the Good Friday Agreement. And after 20 years of the peace agreement, (laughs) you see a lot of advances. I mean, peace is a great achievement, but a lot of problems to to solve. Political problems, a a sort of a polarization in in the society and some of the, how to deal with the, with the, with the past. And of course, peace is the, the best achievement we, we had, and we will have, and this is the, the lesson we have.
0: Rafael Pardo, Colombian post-conflict minister, thank you very much for coming into the studio. Thank you. Thanks to today's contributors, Tom Hennigan in Sao Paulo, and to Rafael Pardo for joining us in studio. Today's podcast was produced by Declan Conlon, Jennifer Ryan, I'm Dave McKechnie. You can find the Worldview and other Irish Times podcasts on whichever platform you use or at www.irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts.